WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. My name is John Paul, the car doctor, here to help you with your car problems on this Sunday morning. And it sounds, you know, Tim gave some good advice. If you see ponding in the water, don't drown your car in it. You'd be surprised how often that happens where somebody has a little bit of a problem. They keep on going and uh, what's referred to as hydrolock the car, which uh, is when the engine sucks up water. And and an engine is nothing more than a big pump. It just uh, sucks in air and pushes out air, so in through the intake, out through the exhaust, and water doesn't compress. If you remember your high school chemistry, uh, water doesn't compress. So take Tim's advice. Don't drown your car. Good idea. on this uh, also kind of weird weather day, I guess, uh, Tim, uh, uh, April showers bring May flowers. Is that what's coming up? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. Uh, and then a more regional joke is the, the Mayflowers bring something, too. Well, there you go. Okay. Do, do, you, know right. what, do you know what the Mayflowers no. bring? No, I, I don't. Pilgrims. Pilgrims. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Make sure you tip your waiters. Yes, yes, please, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Try the veal. Hey, with us on the phone is our buddy George Kennedy. George Kennedy is now the new vice president of the New England Motor Press Association, auto writer, and uh, I, I don't know, I, th- I think I call him a bon vivant. Would that would, would you describe yourself as a bon, vi- bon vivant, George? I, uh, I've i never described myself as that, but now that I'm being referred to it as it, it makes way too much sense. So thank yeah, you. I mean, you. I mean, you like fine things, right? Yeah, sure, but I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm not above uh, getting down and dirty either, so it's, you know, you can live in both worlds. <laughs> there you go. Hey, um, I noticed that the uh, newest publication for the uh, Lars Anderson Auto Museum's out. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So the Lars Anderson Auto Museum is located in Brookline, Massachusetts. It's in this historic building that is based on a 1670 French chateau, just a really cool space. They focus on classic, uh, you know, and many times unrestored original condition cars, and they have a rotating uh, collection. And we have a, a quarterly uh, periodical publication called Upshift that focuses on some of the topics of the museum as well as national more or international broader topics that may be relevant uh, to, the, uh, to the folks that uh, frequent the museum. And uh, it, like you pointed out, it comes out it comes out quarterly, but it's it is jam full with information. What's what's uh, some of the topics uh, in this uh, quarter's publication? Sure. So one of the things we talked about was um, the New England Motor Press Association's winter testing days. Um, that's something that you know you're very familiar with that we do every February, where we're evaluating winter vehicles, and you know. New England's a very unique place in the country for for driving. The the what it needs, what a car needs to be effective in the winter, but also be a great car for road trips in the summer is its unique skill set. And there there is a combination of terrains, tarmac, and weather that is unique to New England. That that sort of puts a car in a unique position to have to to, to balance those things. 
And you put and you pointed out once. I don't know if you called it the the holy trinity or a trifecta of uh, <laughs> yeah. things things you like to see in a car and it's sort of remote start, heated seats, and a heated steering wheel, right? You do those three things, and you make living in the New England winters. And we've had a, a milder winter this year, but you know the rougher years, you make that winter far more uh, palatable to deal with. Yeah, I I think it does, and I mean we I mean we're a little bit spoiled here in Massachusetts. You're right; we didn't have a lot of winter, but you went up to New Hampshire. There was a lot of winter in New Hampshire, and up in Maine there was also a lot of winter. In fact, I just talked to somebody up in Maine a couple days ago, and he said it's still pretty cold, and uh, got a little got a little bit of a snow shower here and there. So you know, winter still exists here in New England. We're just fortunate enough we didn't get a lot of it in our area. And just remember, too, you know, you might be living in Brookline, Burlington, Massachusetts, but there's a good chance you're driving up during the course of the winter to Burlington, New Hampshire, Vermont. (laughs) Oh, one one of those places. Yeah. Yeah, one Um, of those places. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Highway, all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and you know, and I think we're a little bit fortunate again on the South Shore. We didn't get we didn't get too much, but still, it it is winter, and winter. You know, we had a pretty frigid cold snap where we saw temperatures below zero for a few days. So, you know, it is New England, like you pointed out, is a very unique place. And, uh, you know, having a, a kind of a competition, if you will, of vehicles that do well in New England winter, I think, sets us a little bit aside, uh, you know, uh, a little bit apart from the car and trucks of the year and that type of thing, because we we focus on the stuff that makes uh, driving in New England just a little bit more tolerable. Well, in in perspective is key, and where it's it's an effective evaluation of vehicles, because we're also New Englanders, and there's a fellow writer among us, uh, Craig Fitzgerald, who I think put it best that the, the vehicle that wins this award isn't necessarily going to have the best ground clearance or the, the most advanced all-wheel drive system. It's the car that does those winter activities well and competently without detracting from its operations as a vehicle the rest of the summer. So you don't want something that's so dedicated to winter driving, do traction to all that, that it's an uncomfortable vehicle in the summer. You want a vehicle that's well-rounded. So, uh, like a, a Tacoma with an off-road kit and 35-inch tires on it, you know, great vehicle, but, uh, you know, might not want to drive that year-round. Yeah, exactly. Whereas a, let's just say, like a Subaru Outback, um, it's got 8.7 inches of ground clearance. That's as good as some SUVs. It's got 80-something, or I think it's like 78 to 80 cubic feet of cargo space. That's the same as a Jeep Grand Cherokee. So, being... Good at all those things, having versatility and capability, but also being just a, a comfortable car for a road trip or a commute. Yeah, absolutely. And apparently, according to Subaru, you can keep your dog in it. Yeah, they're they're they're, they're, they're pretty big on that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, speaking speaking of things that are big, uh, the New York Auto Show happened a couple weeks ago. Um, I I think I went every year for about ten years. The last couple of years, I between. You know, COVID, and uh, I just wasn't around this year to go. Uh, but New York's New York's sort of a weird show because it's it's sort of one of the most, um, I guess, has one of the largest populations of people come to it. Doesn't necessarily have the largest uh, previews uh, because it is sort of late in the year. I mean, you know, vehicle manufacturers are starting to look at 2024 production now and showing off some of those cars. But what was hot and kind of what 
wasn't at the New York Auto Show when you went? Yeah, so it was kind of a, a not a full return to normalcy, but it was a step in that direction. Um, there were fewer debuts than typical, and, you know, time of the year is part of it. But also, you know, automakers might be debuting at 2024 now. They might be getting early on the next model year. And, you know, one of the big things we saw was the, the first new Lamborghini in a decade, um, or close to it, uh, the Revuelto, which is going to be their first hybrid supercar. Well, and I think um, looking at, and even AAA even had a little booth there, uh, hybrids, plug-in hybrids, and and pure EVs were a big presence here, weren't they? Yeah, so uh, I think even more impactful on our car market than the Lamborghini, which you might see once or twice in your lifetime, Dodge, uh, or sorry, Ram, debuted their electric version of their 1500. And aside from a redesigned space, um, it looks, Sort of they're going in the path of board with, with the F-150 Lightning, where it's a conventional pickup truck with, a, with an electric powertrain as opposed to GM with the Hummer EV, which is a very different vehicle from their standard trucks. And I believe that Ram is targeting something like 600 miles or, or 500 miles with their range. They're going way above and beyond because they're not looking for the highest power output. They realize that what buyers want is usable, easily rechargeable, and lanky range. So you don't you don't need that thousand horsepower that the Hummer EV has. It, and that's the point is that it's you know it's almost like they're doing it to, as a developmental thing to say, hey, look, we're capable of making this power. It also gains them them some uh, headlines to make a car that has a thousand horsepower. This being General Motors, right? But it's not the kind of truck that is going to garner mass adoption. The thing that's going to garner mass adoption is the vehicle that is the most like the one that they're already driving. So it's an easily swap-outable thing. And I think that's where we've talked about plug-in hybrids being very effective because it's an existing vehicle. They don't have to change any of their lifestyle to own one, but they can add this capability and learn about charging stations and how to charge in and, and, and different charging levels. This, like the F-150 Lightning, is a conventional pickup truck from a platform standpoint, from a usability standpoint, that happens to have this electric powertrain. Yeah, I, I think I think it's really amazing. I've seen, uh, you know, I have I've yet to see a Hummer EV on the road, but I have seen certainly. Um, it, it's kind of it's kind of funny. I, I I don't know that I've seen maybe one Lightning on the road, but uh, you know, I have I have seen uh, you know a lot of electric vehicles on the road. So when people say, "Well, they're not going to be that popular." You know, it looks like they are, and uh, the the pickup truck I keep seeing is a Rivian. I've seen a lot of the Rivians, yeah, and and we'll see. As I think, what's important is that every vehicle, you know, the, the Tesla Model S is, is ten years old. That's the only sample space that we have for vehicle age, and I think for folks on on the coast, um, they're going to be, or in cities, or around a city, they're going to be a very useful vehicle. But we're just starting to see now what ownership is going to be like and what it's going to cost and what replacing a battery will cost. And I think it's important to note that, you know, for your listeners, whenever you hear the first article about, you know, replacing a battery, it costs X, Y, Z, and it was an exorbitant price, wherever it is, that number is going to come down because they're going to start to amortize the cost of development and learning and the training that goes into this stuff. So with time, with more batteries being replaced, those costs will come down. 
I also think that, you know, for this sort of big push of EVs that's been the last year or two, some of those people are returning their cars. You know, it's just they might figure out they're not ready yet um, for their needs. They return it. That means there's going to be a good amount of uh, electric vehicles on the second market. The folks that are looking to get into it might try and find a used one for a new one. So I think we're going to see a bit of a bump and then start to, you know, not a plateau, but maybe uh, a less aggressive uptick in, in EV adoption over the next few years as people figure out what they really want. Yeah, I, you're right. And I think a plug-in hybrid is certainly the way to go for a lot of people. I had the uh, chance to drive a uh, full battery electric car a couple weeks ago. And unfortunately for where I am, there are only two somewhat convenient charging stations in public parking lots. And either they always have a car in them or uh, they're actually not high output. I think they're maybe five or seven kilowatt hour output. So even though it was a 240 volt charging station, it still would take a really long time to charge a car. And I think for people who are going to charge, and especially if they're going, going to go to a a place where they have to pay to charge, uh, depending on, you know, in Massachusetts, we pay pretty high electric rates. So you have to actually do a little bit of homework and see whether an electric car makes sense for you. But speaking of electric cars, you guys, uh, the New England Motor Press Association, um, had Nissan uh, at uh, the the world headquarters of automotion with a new electric car, right? Yeah, so it's a Nissan Aria. That's their first, you know, their first uh, electric vehicle since the Leaf. And it's a crossover SUV. Um, it has up to 300 miles of range, which as you're talking about, you're, you know, the, the charging challenges, that there's you know, basically three things that you have to care about with an electric vehicle. Um, one is relevant in the vehicle, the one, the one is out of the vehicle's control. It's range, um, infrastructure around you, and the yep. level of infrastructure, right? So... Like you said, you might have chargers nearby, but if it's only like five kilowatts, it's going to take you a day to recharge your vehicle. Um, I'm in Rhode Island quite a lot, and they have a pretty comprehensive uh, charging network, and even you know Massachusetts as well, with high output uh, electric chargers. So you know, when I had a Ford F-150 Lightning a few weeks ago, I was able to bring it to an Electrify America charger, and it was able to fill it up in about 40 minutes because it's doing 250 kilowatts, and that ends up costing, I think it was like 30-something dollars compared to $100 to top off, uh, you know, a V8 F-150. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 a good point. I mean, the and you know, the other thing, I guess, when you do charge at high rate like that, you never really get a full tank of electrons. You get about 80%, I guess, or 90%. Uh, but the idea that it costs about $30 versus what it would cost to buy 20 gallons of fuel, uh, you know, it's, you know, the, the, for, for that, the numbers made sense. Well, and also, too, you know, there are parking rides in Rhode Island that have chargers that are free, level two and level three chargers that are free. So you're able to go and, you know, get 70, 100, 150 miles in, in you know, 15 minutes or something like that. It doesn't cost you a dime. I mean, that's, it might change one day, but pretty attractive. Uh, in terms of considering buying an electric vehicle. Yeah, really. And this Aria with the 300-mile range, um, I mean, we always talk about range for electric cars, but how is it as a vehicle? How is it as a, you know, 
you know, is it uh, is it something that will be a good vehicle to go to the supermarket with? Is it a good vehicle that looks so, like it will be good to home to go to Home Depot with? Yeah, so it's a it's sort of like a quote unquote coupe like crossover in that it has a very sharply raked uh, you know rear window area. And part of that is uh, the Ford Mustang Mach-E has it as well. These vehicles are being designed with aerodynamic optimization. You know, in order to increase that range, if they can get that drag coefficient number down, it's going to get more miles uh, for them that they can talk about. So it's got a very aerodynamic optimized shape, which also means that that teardrop almost rear end cuts into the cargo space, cuts into rear headroom. Um, but I think that's just sort of something you're going to have to deal with with a lot of new electric SUVs. The one other thing I'll say is that from a design standpoint, um, the detailer, so if you think, if you're looking at your vehicle, the, 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 the pillars next to the windshield are A, one in between the front and uh, back doors B, C and D are the back ones. The D, C and D pillar are very thick, which creates large blind spots. And so Nissan has a suite of technologies, including forward collision avoidance, automatic emergency braking, but they've also got blind spot detection because they realize that you can't just use your own two eyes for, for, the, for the, the size of these blind spots. So technology in this case is, is quite helpful uh, and kind of makes it all work. Uh, did um, I, I've seen some commercials for the Aria. Uh, did they give a little bit more definitive date on when it's available and how much it's going to cost? So it's looking like later this summer um, for availability, and it starts at $43,000. Um, and it goes up there based on you want single motor, dual motor, standard range, extended range. Um, and then models that have the, I think it's called all fours or force with a with a four instead of an S, and that's its technology that uses multiple motors power powering all four wheels, and it talks about smooth power delivery, and they're trying to make it as effortless a driving experience as possible. Yeah, it 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 sounds it sounds like a pretty good car, and and I guess I'm almost a little surprised to see it come from Nissan because um, Nissan seemed like it was kind of stumbling around a little bit and, and the same with uh, their their premium vehicles, Infiniti. Well, I've always said that, you know, in a world where these, you know, 1,000 horsepower Teslas and 1,000 horsepower DMC uh, Hummer EVs exist, that the real growth in electric vehicles, what they should be, are vehicles like the Nissan Leaf and Chevrolet Bolt because it doesn't take as much lithium-ion to, to basically make these batteries. You should make more of them. Um, so that vehicle, the Leaf, has been out for a while, but also in that time, Nissan has been involved in Formula E, which is the all-electric open-wheel FIA international racing program. So they've been doing their research, and you're, you are right. I would say that this vehicle might come as a bit of a surprise. But if you're following what Nissan's been up to the past 10 years, then it's, it's less of one. Yeah. Two more questions before we let you go. Uh, Chevrolet Bolt and uh, the and the Bolt sort of sport utility-ish kind of vehicle are going away. Um, I was shocked when I heard that. Yeah, that's really disappointing because I just got done saying that what I think that electric vehicles should be vehicles that size, that are subcompacts, crossovers, et cetera. Um, and that really gave... Uh, Chevrolet, something they can stand on as they're making these these new cars. But I think with the advent of the electric Blazer, and I think the Trailblazer is going to be have an electric variant. 
they're realizing that their profit centers as a brand, where their money makers are, like every auto automaker, are small to medium sized crossovers, small SUVs. The margins are better in that segment. So they know that if they cut the hatchback bolt from the lineup and offer a small SUV like the Blazer or Trailblazer, it's just it just makes more sense for them from a profitability standpoint. Yeah, but isn't it sort of um the way GM seems like they got it finally perfect. I mean, and you can go you can go back to you know the last Pontiac Fiero, you know, with the V six, and you know you can when get it with it. six. Yeah. yeah, and it's like it's like you you got it right finally. It's it's a great car, and now you're doing away with it. And uh, when, GM seems GM seems to be really good at that. When GM puts their mind to it and get it right, they build icons. The rest of the time. They cut off their nose despite their face. Um, the other thing that GM has announced that it's doing is that it's getting rid of Apple CarPlay and Android Auto in its vehicles in the next couple of years in favor of their own proprietary system. And their head of technology has been on, on TV and radio basically saying, it's like, no, you're going to love our system. People are more loyal to the smartphone in their pockets than their, than their brand of car. You cut Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, you're going to have people that might not come back because they want to be able to plug in and have the same experience that they have getting into any car by plugging, simply plugging their phone in. And I think it's a short-sighted, dollar-stupid, penny-wise move to try and gain revenue via the subscriptions that they're going to get people to sign up for within their touchscreen ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's almost as crazy as what was, uh, you know, what was it BMW was going to, you know, I, I forget what it was. It was something that did. They were going to charge a, uh, a subscription because each yeah. automaker does pay a, a heavy uh, a franchise fee or whatever to get Apple CarPlay in their vehicles, but they realize the value in paying it and eating that cost because of how popular these systems are. BMW was going to try and pass that cost onto the consumer, and it was met with such backlash so fast that other automakers that were considering it, considering it walked back from it along with BMW. Yeah, I think that I think that was sort of like Toyota, where they were gonna they were gonna charge a fee to use a remote start. You know, it's and like, part of that is the fact that that Toyota borrows heavily from BMW with the uh, Toyota Supra, BMW Z4. So they were gonna test out some of these subscription models in that vehicle, and it just the, the backlash on it immediately caused both parties to to walk back. Yeah, no, it it is. I mean, it's you know, you kind of wonder, and you know, and one of the other, one of my other favorite GM cars that was discontinued, kind of it, you know, right at its best time was that. Remember the Buick Riata? Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, that was a yeah. that was a, a fantastic looking car, you know, pretty well built, and yeah, they cut that. And yeah, I mean, and it was a three, it was a you know three point eight GMV six that was a pretty bulletproof. Um, Via a pretty bulletproof engine, and I think at the end you could buy it with a supercharger. So, um, you know, a little yeah. more complicated, but still, it was it was a vehicle that really, you know, it was like this is they finally got it right, and they came out with a convertible, and then it went away. So, you know, not yeah. to not to bash, right, 30, yeah, yeah. The thirty eight hundred supercharged V six is a bulletproof engine. We've taken that racing uh, in a Lemons car, the uh, the clunker five hundred dollars, but that engine. It just kept on going, and it, you know it's not rocket ship power, but it is reliable dur- uh, endurance grunt. Yeah, and and pretty fuel efficient considering you know the time it was. One other question before you go, only because I'm going to be reviewing it a little bit later in the program. 
Hyundai Kona N. Have you driven it? Um, I have not. I've driven the Elantra N, uh, which is their sort of take on the Subaru WRX. Um, it's, I think it's front-wheel drive, turbocharged engine, and the Kona, it might be all-wheel drive. But the reason I bring up the Elantra all-wheel drive is it proves that that N line of vehicles is, is for real. They're making legitimate performance cars that are on par with what Honda is doing with its Type S, Type R, and SI vehicles. Yeah, I was, I, you know, I thought, you know, when I first heard about, you know, the 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 N class cars, I'm like, yeah, they're trying to, you know, maybe they're, they're trying to go a little ways towards, you know, Audi with the S, which, you know, sportier, but not, you know, certainly not a BMW M or something. But I thought uh, it was a sticker pack, a sticker pack. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's exactly what I thought it was. But uh, I was really quite impressed how well the car was put together, the performance from it, which numbers don't, you know, you know, I, I guess today we're, you know, we're, we see we're giving horsepower away, you know, 276 right. horsepower doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot coming out of a little four-cylinder engine, and uh, it performs really well, and it was it was a really impressive car to drive, so uh, well, pretty and, neat. And the thing is, when, when you hear it's a crossover, you go, oh, okay, great, it's an SUV, you know, how good a performance vehicle can it be? But this just speaks to how much of a, basically a, a jacked-up hatchback a lot of these small crossovers are because it, it basically is doing the role of, of what a, a sport hatchback would be with an extra inch of ground clearance, thus making it a, a, a sort of crossover. Yeah. No, I, it's, you know, I think anyone who's been around for a while, you know, once... You know the hot. You know the, the. I hate the term the hot hatches, but yeah, the you know Volkswagen GTI, for instance. You know it was was always a great car to drive, even in its you know first generation GTIs. They were still they were still fun to drive. Right, and and this is proving that it's it's doing that same functional and fun thing. I mean, yeah, you're right. Two hundred seventy six horsepower doesn't sound like a lot, but it's got a uh, a front differential that allows it to put. Uh, power down or electronic limited slip differential so they're doing legitimate performance things with this platform and it's really you know it's fun to see the, the different ways in which hyundai as a brand is stepping up being a legitimate player ever since genesis became its own standalone luxury brand even as the sonata in tucson became went from being the affordable option in their respective segments to being legitimate contenders that are taking a run at the camry and the accord and now with this N line, you're seeing that they're stepping up in the performance realm as well. So they're kind of they're coming into their own by going into each one of these segments and and, and playing legitimately. Yeah. Hey, George, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your Sunday and joining us before you go do Bon Vivant stuff, whatever that is. <laughs> uh, but uh, if people want to, if people want to find out more information about you or see some of your stuff, where do they go? So you can follow me on Instagram, uh, gkens101, with two N's. Um, I post articles there. And uh, you can find my work on uh, Forbes Wheels, Hard Gurus, uh, U.S. News, and a few others. George, always a pleasure. Uh, don't be a stranger, and we'll talk again soon. All right, sounds good. Take care. All right, take Bye. care. Bye-bye. That music means we need to take a break and pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. If you want to join us, 781-837-4900. We'll be right back. When I turned 16, I saved a few hundred bucks. My first car was a pickup truck. I was cruising the town, and the first girl I see was Bobby Joe Gentry, the homecoming queen. She flagged me down and climbed up in the cab and said, 
I never knew you were a pickup man. You can set my truck on fire and roll it down a hill, and I still wouldn't trade it for a coupe de ville. I got an eight-foot bed that never has to be made. You know, if it weren't for trucks, we wouldn't have tailgates. I met all my wives in traffic jams. You're just something women like about a pickup man. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com join. You make it big in motorsports, but the real reward for most is the thrill of the adrenaline and the chance to hold the checkered flag. I'm Miles Heger. The excitement and danger of motor racing are the reasons drivers love to race and why fans show up. Join me and my guests each week as we discuss the local short tracks while also sharing opinions and insight on NASCAR's national series. Tune in to Miles on Motorsports Tuesday nights at 7 here on 95.9 WATD. She's real fine, my 409. She's real fine, my 409, my 409. Well, I saved my pennies and I saved my dimes. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD, the South Shores radio station. And you don't have to be on the South Shore to listen. You can listen online. You can tell your smart speaker you want to listen to uh, WATD. You can go our, to our website and listen there. You can listen all kinds of ways. And, of course, you can always listen kind of after the fact. You can find, you know, I take, I take the full program and put it on my podcast channel. And you can just find Car Doctor Radio Podcast somewhere or another. It always shows up somewhere. But right now we got um, Rusty calling in. Rusty, good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you today? Nice to talk good. to you. Well, nice to talk to you as um, well. What's up? I'm not, I actually enjoy your articles um, in AAA as well. I, uh, I've been a AAA member forever. But um, I can ask you a quick question. I have a um, 2012 Prius I bought in 13. I have 215,000 miles on it. Do you think I get a million miles out of it? Uh, well, if you do, they I, should give, they, if you do, they should give you a new one. I know, because you know I just had my last big repair happen on Thursday at morning. Like, the last bearing went, like, the wheel hub went. I yep. was like, oh, it went at the wrong time. I was like, damn. I was like, why did it go now? Because I was lucky. The three other ones I had replaced, you know, like, the last two years. This one just went, like, $700 later. I knew it was coming, but it just it just went. My mechanic's like, yeah, you know, you're such a cheap guy because, you know, I had 215,000 miles on the bearing, and they replaced it. Now it's running like you. And I was like, I asked my mechanic, goes, you can probably get, like, maybe half a million miles out of it. I was just thinking, you think a million miles? Like, I take care of the synthetic oil. I do all the maintenance when it's required and everything. I was just curious. Yeah, you know, it, it's really it's really hard to say. You know, I, I kind of gr- agree with your mechanic that I think half a million miles with a little bit of care and feeding I think is certainly possible. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the, that engine doesn't get a lot of wear and tear. So um, I think, you know, two things could happen. You could get really tired of kind of following the steering wheel around for a million miles. Uh, you just might get tired of just driving the car. Um, the other thing that might happen is, you know, some stuff is just going to 
you know, other stuff is going to wear out. You know, uh, ABS brake motors, uh, master mm-hmm. cylinders, uh, air conditioning components. The actuator. Yeah, yeah, like the actuator, yeah. That's yeah. Big repair on that yeah. Too. yeah, and it, yeah, I mean, it could be, you know, all of a sudden the wipers don't work, or I go to lock the doors and only two out of four doors lock, and, you know, stuff that gets that sort of... last year, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, stuff like that could kind of get annoying uh, to the point where you kind of wonder. Um, have, you, have you replaced the uh, high-voltage battery yet? No, yeah, I've been lucky. I, I'm not sure. I'm thinking, I'm holding out. Maybe it might hit by 250, 260, because like I said, when I brought my car into the shop on Thursday, I, I you know, I basically, my mechanic, I just walked through the whole thing, and I said, well, that's the only thing we haven't replaced yet. Especially, like, I thought it was first it was a brake actuator with that yeah. issue, because I didn't know what the wheel sensor went, and I was like, well, that 12-volt battery, I don't think it's ever been replaced in this car, like that yeah. separate one. And, yeah, the, and the battery pack itself hasn't hasn't been replaced yet either. I know that. Yeah, yeah the 12-volt batteries seem to easily last 10 years, if not even a little bit longer. The high-voltage okay. battery, um, right, I, have, I have seen them go 15 years on some of the older, old, you know, mm-hmm. first-generation Priuses. And mm-hmm. the other thing that I've seen is mileage-wise, and every time I, you know, and I don't take cabs very often, but every time I get in a cab and it's a hybrid, I always ask the cab driver, how much life do you get out of the battery? And, you know, the drivers who are driving either Priuses or Camry hybrids tell me they get about 350000 out of the battery. And nice. the Ford Fusion hybrid, which I was in a couple of those, they tell me they do a little bit less. They do, you know, closer to 275. But the, mm-hmm. uh, but the hybrid battery that Toyota has seems to be able to go 350,000 miles. And what's interesting about that is, you know, those are vehicles that are literally driven seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, cabs never sit. So right. I think the idea of being able to get that kind of life out of a, a hybrid battery and, you know, the other thing is now, um, you know, the Prius batteries are getting pretty, you know, as George pointed out, you know, uh, electric vehicle batteries are, are starting to come down in price. And uh, even though, you know, you see some, you know, Internet stories sometimes of, you know, I, I, I forget what it was, some, I think it was a Ford, Fu- a Ford Focus EV that the battery was like $14,000 or some, I mean, some crazy amount. Um, no, but you can you can get batteries rebuilt these days, too. There's these, these small little companies that will take your old mm-hmm. battery, and they'll rebuild it and put it back together for you. So, because right, um, I, I saw the place in Foxborough. There's a place called Greenleaf in Foxborough. They'll come out to you. It's like $3,500. they are just swap it in and out. They'll do it right, right. the driveway. Right. I mean, it's almost like... You know, if you had to put a transmission in a regular car or something like that, you're going to mm-hmm. spend. You know, you're not maybe not going to spend thirty five hundred. But I've seen some of those batteries that have, you know, have gone down as low as you know under a couple grand installed on some yeah, on some yeah, hybrid right. batteries. So you know, I think the longer you keep this, you're going to find it's it's going to be kind of you know uh, economies of scale. You're going to see more and more of them get replaced, and going to have more and more um, you know remanufactured batteries available. So I think mm-hmm. the idea of that. So could you go a million miles? You might not want to, but you know, I just put it yeah. like five hundred. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there, there was, I, and I can't remember the guy's name, but there was a guy who had a, a Volvo P eighteen hundred, and I had him on the program years and years ago when he, when he, mm-hmm. when he brought his Volvo and he turned a million miles on it, and then mm-hmm. since then he put another million miles on it, and then wow. I think he put a third million. Now it was, 
I don't know how he actually physically drove it that much to get that kind of mileage on it. But right. he would be, he would be like, I, he lived in, I think he lived in New Jersey, and he'd be like, yeah, I'm going to go to, uh, you know, Key West for lunch. And, you know, he'd just right. get in his car and keep driving. Now, that <laughs> 3 million miles, you know, was right. probably on a few engines and a few transmissions right. and things like that. Right. So, you know, you, you, know, you, uh, you kind of do it. And the, you know, the amount of gas that he spent to go 3 million miles mm-hmm. kind of joyriding, right. he probably could have bought a Rolls Royce. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, like I, thought, like I thought the worst, and I saw this one nice car that I liked at this one dealership where I bought all my other vehicles, but the, this 2020 vehicle I really loved was in an accident, and I was like, and they, you know, they repaired it, but I'm like, oh, would you buy a 2020 car with 7,000 miles on it that's already been in an accident, and they've already, re- like, repaired it, and it's like, uh, you know, just that's yeah. kill joy. It's, I mean, it's just like, you know, it's a it's federal dealership and everything, but the problem is it's like, still, it's like a beautiful car, but it wasn't a, it, they did disclose it was, the Carfax did disclose it wasn't an accident. Yeah. Yeah, and and even though, you know, a a properly repaired car shouldn't affect the book value, you know, know, it it does. I mean, let's face it. It's not affecting that price, though. The price is still high for that car. Still high, yeah. Wow. Well, it's funny. I was looking through the newspaper. You remember what those are, right? Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I was looking through a local newspaper um, yesterday, and I saw a, I think it was a 2015 RAV4, it had about 50,000 miles on it. They wanted $26,000 for it. I saw, wow. a, I saw a 2012 Mercedes CLK convertible with mm-hmm. 20,000 miles on it for $17,000. And I'm like, you know, if, you know, you know, you're like, well, I could buy a RAV4 with a, with a fair amount of miles on it, or I could buy something really fancy for less right. money and i and and only because there was some just kind of regular cars and there happened to be a couple of mercedes listed and i'm like the mercedes is a better value and how can that be i mean right. of course you know cost of repair is always more and all that sort of stuff right. but right. but still it's like it doesn't used car prices still don't make sense right now they don't trust me they don't because i keep getting the ads it's like i have a 2020 tacoma and i keep getting ads from the dealership like we'll buy it back from you i go well unfortunately i just had to do like a a mini major repair because some mice got into the um, transmission cable and ate one of oh, the yeah. cables in yeah. the engine. I was kind of ticked at that, but still, it's like a 2020 truck. It's got 40,000 miles on it. Like I bought it used with 37. I was like, okay, thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, pe- you know, people want people want to buy those trucks all the time. I mm-hmm. uh, saw one the other day. Somebody bought a 2018. Now, it had about fifteen thousand dollars worth of accessories added to it but it, right. it was it was over forty thousand dollars right i know yeah. i know my, yeah. my buddy's bought a, a, a 19 silverado he's got excellent credit he's still paying eight percent i'm like wow yeah incredible nope. what everyone's still charged. i thought everything was coming down well it you know it, it came down it, prices came down a little bit but they're still right. higher than they were a couple of years ago and right. then s- supply chain issues are still a problem i've been, i i've right. talked to people that have had cars in body shops for months because they can't get the parts. oh yep yep, yep. Mm-hmm. it is Absolutely. it is a problem hey rusty always a pleasure talking to you call in any time thank you sir have a great weekend all right take care weekend. thank you yep, yep. bye bye our phone number again is 781-837-4900 let's talk about this uh this Hyundai Kona. The Hyundai Kona is part of the popular uh, compact SUV category. The Kona comes in several trim levels, and the subject of our road test is the sporty N version. And like George and I were talking about, N is more than just a 
badge that they put on the vehicle. Uh, in the end version of the Kona, you get a uh, the practicality of a compact SUV with the performance of a sports car. That's as simple as it is. The Kona is powered by a turbocharged two-liter four-cylinder engine that delivers 276 horsepower and 289 foot-pounds of torque. The transmission is an eight-speed dual-clutch automatic, so it's an automatic transmission, but it does feel very manual-like, and you can, you know, but it isn't a true manual transmission, which I have to admit I sort of miss, Uh, but it delivers smooth uh, and precise gear changes. Yeah, if you want to drive it kind of in the end mode with the performance mode, it gives you this kind of just right amount of crispness in each shift probably better than if i drove it and tried to drive it in a little sportier fashion fuel economy just okay maybe 23 miles to the gallon which i thought was a little bit low but considering it's 276 horsepower under the hood it made the low miles per gallon a little more palatable the kona n features a sporty styling with a unique blacked out front grille 19 inch alloy wheels with performance tires and a nicely added rear spoiler that doesn't scream boy racer uh that's one of my criticisms of you know the wrx is I like the looks. The WRX STI with the big spoiler, um, you know, last time I drove one of those, I felt like I was 50 years too old to drive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, some uh, of those spoilers get crazy on those Subarus. Yeah, yeah they, yeah. they do. And, and I like Subarus, I, uh, but, too, you know, that, that's a little bit too much. The interior is also sporty with the N-brand sports seats, sporty accents like red stitching, uh, leather-wrapped steering wheel. The infotainment system is, uh, I think, Hyundai and their other company, Kia, builds some of the best infotainment system because of the simplicity. It's not all touchscreen based, which is really annoying. I think they do a really good job. They put in, seems like, just the right amount of buttons and knobs. It does come standard with Apple CarPlay, which I guess you're not going to be able to get in GM cars anymore, and Android Auto. Um, if I had a few things to pick on with the car, the interior of the Kona needs to have uh, some a little bit nicer materials here and there. There was a little bit too much hard plastic trim. Uh, some of the surfaces just didn't seem... I don't know. I just wanted to see a little bit better quality. Um, although in uh, standard trim, the Kona is uh, competent front-wheel drive, but when you add the end package, that all changes. The handling is agile and responsive thanks mostly to the performance-tuned suspension and these uh, performance tires, larger brakes, and uh, precise steering. In spite of all this performance upgrades, the ride remains reasonably comfortable, um, you know, and, and, no, and no case of the jitters, which is also, which sometimes happens when you add too much suspension and too many, too many big tires. Um, I have quite a few questions from people that have been uh, killing their performance tires. In terms of safety, the Kona comes with its host of standard safety features, uh, including automatic emergency braking, lane departure warning, review camera, you know, the usual stuff that you see in almost every car now. It also has, like I said, the impressive infotainment system with the 8-inch touchscreen. The Kona N may be the answer to a question no one asked, though, and the question is, do you want to take an, and George kind of brought this up too, do you want to take an economy-based front-wheel drive SUV and turn it into a sports car? Well, overall, the Kona, the Kona N is fun-to-drive compact SUV that offers practicality, performance, and style. It's a great option for those who want a comfortable daily driver with extra sportiness. Uh, with this combination of power handling features, the Kona N is a strong contender in that kind of weird class of vehicles that are, you know, performance-oriented small cars. I I hate the expression hot hatch, but in this case, uh, a hot SUV, which is kind of nice to see. Our phone number again, 781-837-4900. Tim, where are we going? 
We're going to Dick in Plymouth, and then we've got another person after that, too. All right. Well, let's talk to Dick in Plymouth. Dick, good morning. Good morning, John. Uh, I've been listening to you for, since you started. I, I really like your program. I can't see electric cars whatsoever. I uh, do know a fellow that has two Teslas, and he loves them. And I don't think anybody realizes he gets 10,000 miles out of a set of tires. Yeah, uh, you know the weight of a Tesla. That's pretty short. That's pretty short. Um, most people are getting somewhere between twenty and thirty thousand. But yeah, the the Tesla tires wear out pretty fast. Um, yeah. As opposed to the brakes, which never seem to wear out. They go a hundred thousand miles, and people just replace them because they they get old. But uh, yeah, uh, when you put that kind of weight on a low rolling resistance tire. Um, they just wear out faster. And, you know, depending on what model Tesla is, you know, same, you know, and not that I will ever own one, but if you own something like a Porsche 911, uh, you know, that sporty kind of car, you're going to get ten or 15,000 miles out of those, you know, extra sporty tires. But, yeah, an electric car isn't for everyone. Um, I've, driven, I've driven a couple, and, you know, in my kind of weird life where I, um, live on the South Shore and, you know, try to s- try now to spend a little bit of time in Florida. Dr- you know, commuting, you know, if I had a Tesla, that would be the only way that would be reasonable to drive, you know, 1,500 miles. Doing it in a conventional electric car, a little bit harder to do because there are places, just charging stations are few and far between, and it, it, it wouldn't make it for people. I think for a lot of people, a plug-in hybrid that can go 30, 40 miles on electricity and then click over and just become a regular hybrid that gets 40 miles to the gallon is probably fi- fine for a lot of people. And you could charge those up on 110 volts, so they actually kind of work. Yeah, oh, we go to we go to Florida every year with snowbirds, and uh, we went down this year, and I did eight hundred and fifty miles the first day. I couldn't do that on an electric car. I'd be I'd be in. I'd have to stop four times to charge the foolish thing. Well, and if I, I, yeah, yeah, and that you know, it's funny. I was I was talking to a, a guy who did the same thing. He happens to live in Rhode Island and, and drives down to Naples, and uh, he drove down in his electric car, and he I, I said to him. You know, a lot of start and stop and start. And he said, well, you know, the good thing is you can fully charge a, uh, a Tesla in one of their super stations in about 20 minutes or so. And I said, yeah, but you're still stopping every 250 miles. He goes, look, I'm, I'm 80 years old. i got to stop to use the bathroom every 250 miles. <laughs> well, I'm 84. I, I stop, too, but I keep on, keep on going. And i got a one-ton uh, Dodge Diesel F-350 uh, or a 350, and uh, the, uh, some of these Teslas weigh as much, if not more, as my car does, and yep. I'm, I, 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 my truck does, and I like, I got a, uh, a classic car. I got a 63 and a half Ford Falcon V8 four-speed, oh, and wow. I, love okay. the, I love the exhaust. I mean, I, I don't even turn the radio on. We ride around, that thing sounds like a 428 coming down the road. I just, I just love the exhaust. Lucky yeah, it, it doesn't do that for me. Yeah, yeah it, it's funny. It's funny. I drove an electric BMW, and it makes exhaust sounds, which to me sounds so dumb. Um, it yeah, actually it, it actually sounds pretty good, but I want to know that the exhaust I put on my car that makes a certain sound uh, does it that way on purpose, and not because someone recorded something and makes it sound like a you know makes it sound like a performance car. It just sounds like a dumb idea, but yeah. uh, but your your car your car's the 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 little uh, uh, two sixty V eight. 
260 V8. I got yep. five grand in the engine. Yep. I got a Hurst four speed, and I got Flowmasters on it. And uh, I just, I just love it. So Jay, that, L- Jay Leno's car. That's that's the that's the kind of car I like. You know, the, those are the kind of cars I like to hear. I like to I like to see them. Those those are the kind of cars that you know they'll be they'll be around forever. And you know, maybe in you know maybe in f- who knows fifty years. You know, you know they'll they'll be you know gasoline cars will be that rare. Yeah. But I I personally think you know this push to electric vehicles is a step to something else, and I don't know what the something else is. And it's and at some point, if people decide they don't want to buy them, the automakers are going to have to build something else. And you know, I don't think I think you know we're going to see gasoline cars around for quite a while still. And yeah, I, uh, I think hydrogen might might be good. And just think of like uh, a year or so ago when they had the big snowstorm down around New. Jersey. Jersey on 95 when cars were there all night long. What's going to happen when they got electric cars? Are people going to freeze to death? No, actually, you know, it's you, no. you say that actually you, you're better off in an electric car because you can you can run the heat because the engine isn't running, so it doesn't take up any power from the battery really. And uh, a, 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 an electric car with almost a full charge uh, can run the heat for like four days. Oh yeah, and I yeah. heard another thing that. Uh, the fellow, my, the guy that's got the Tesla, he says you can't charge it 100. percent You got to go like 80 and 90 percent. Yeah. Because if you do charge it 100 all the time, your battery life gets uh, much shorter. Yeah. Uh, somebody said I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said, think about um, you know, open up a you know a, a Pepsi or a beer and pour it in a glass really fast, and you get foam. Well, kind of the same thing. When you try to force electricity in really fast, yeah. you don't get you don't get a full glass, and that's kind of what happens with the charging. And that's why, uh, at you know, if he has a home charger, it probably does charge a hundred percent. But when he goes to one of those high speed Tesla chargers, it only charges about eighty or ninety percent. He's right. Yeah. Well, he he when his first Tesla he bought, he got free charging for life with it. Yeah. Yeah, and the so, second one, he has to, you know, uh, they, yeah. but they get onto the canal and they have certain stations they go to, and but he loves it, and but I, you know, it's not my bag of, uh, not my yeah. bag. And uh, well, why don't you go well, down to East Bay Grill Sunday morning sometime and see all the cars? I'm going to have to do that. You know, it's funny. It's funny that the the guy from uh, Tool Time there, Tim Allen has a pretty extensive car collection, and he drives yeah. a Tesla. He has a Tesla, and he goes. It's so boring," he said. "Yeah, it's really fast, but he goes, it's boring." He said, "I would rather, you know." He said, "He said, yeah, it's it's nice, but he said it's not fun," and uh, I and I you. think and and I think I think with you, you know, your cars are fun. So, hey, let's uh, right. thanks for thanks for calling in. Our phone number, if you want to join us, is seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred. And Tim, I think we're headed someplace else now. Yeah, we've we've got um, uh, do who do we have? We have Mike in Bridgewater. Mike in Bridgewater, and then uh, John? Michael. Oh, there Michael. We go. Good morning. Hi. Good morning, John. John, um, when you were speaking with your first caller, you mentioned about batteries in a hybrid vehicle and. I know you've said in the past typically 12-volt batteries last four or five years and that kind of thing around here. So is there now a different guideline for hybrid vehicles for the 12-volt battery replacement? Because you mentioned 10 years. So I'm just curious what you think you might be in that, please. Yeah, it really really is. We're seeing... 
Prius batteries last in 10 years. We're seeing some of the Camry hybrid batteries last in the same way because they don't really work that hard, and they're, and they're pretty small batteries, and they don't have a lot of reserve capacity. I'm really surprised. But when you got to crank over a heavy starter all the time, uh, you know, all the battery in the Prius does, for instance, is turn the car on. And then the heavy, then the traction battery, the big battery, is the one that does all the work. So really all that 12-volt battery is is turning all the rest of the stuff on in the car, relays and lights and stuff like that. So that battery doesn't work very hard. So, so my question would be, uh, actually two things. Um, what is the recommendation now? Instead of the four to five years, what's the data telling at this time? What are we talking? Um, well... An- anecdotally, eight to ten years, but still, oh. at if I had a hybrid, I would test the twelve volt battery, you know, starting at four or five years and see how it's doing. To to do a test first before you replace it, yeah. and that yeah. brings the yeah. other thing. Those batteries, you don't. Well, maybe it's changing now, but when you went to replace it, which I did <laughs> on a Prius. It was not the, you know, 150 or whatever, 100, whatever depends what the low one. Yeah. It was $350 for the battery. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, and we're seeing, and I don't know when batteries screamed up in price, but um, AGM batteries, which most of these are, they're sort of a gel filled sort of battery they're all in the 250 dollars range and even my little hyundai which doesn't even have start stop technology has an agm battery in it and i priced it out just for fun one day and i'm like 270 dollars what you know it was shocking how expensive it was and and i'm like uh, you know i'm gonna try to get this i'm gonna try to make this thing last as long as i can so um and like like the like the same old rules you know temperature affects batteries hot and cold hot kills the chemistry cold is hard on the battery and cycling the battery from you know full charge to low so if you can if you drive a car every day or every few days that helps keep the car the battery fully charged and uh you know if the car doesn't get driven a lot put it on a battery tender or something that keeps it fully charged and that extends the life of it as well yeah, well, uh, it, you know, the the thing is with the battery prices, uh, you can't even, there's not even a you know, option in terms of you, you have to usually buy this from the manufacturer. Obviously, yep. they don't make the batteries, but you can't get a cross-reference. So no going to AutoZone or those other places yep. and yep. getting them. So. Yeah, I All mean, right, now, John, I now, now, now we have a Prius battery that AAA has, but for instance, you can't get a Camry uh, hybrid battery. It's a different battery. It's only available from the dealer. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Hey, Mike, as always, thanks for calling in. Appreciate it, John. Have a good one. Yep. Hey, Tim, did we miss a did we miss a break? I yeah, said, I think we should do that now. Uh, yeah, why don't we do that now? <laughs> okay. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program, and we'll be back in a minute. Two cool shorts standing side by side. Yeah, a fuel injector stingray and a 413. Revving up their engines, and it sounds real mean. Tack it up, tack it up, buddy, gonna shut you down. It happens all over Massachusetts. In every home and every community. Be careful on your bike. Learning can happen anytime, anywhere. Hi, guys. We'll see you at practice this weekend. And no matter how learning takes place in your family's life, Desi is there as your partner. The Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Never stop learning. Find out more at mass.gov slash back to school. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Department for Elementary and Secondary Education. 
AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. Talk Radio with a South Shore point of view. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk, where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night, after the 6 o'clock news, here on 95.9 WAPD. Welcome back to the Car Doctor program. We're just about out of time. But, uh, Tim, do you have pets? Do you have a dog or a cat? Um, I, I grew up with, uh, with cats and a, and a rabbit in my house, and, and we used to, used to have a great beagle buddy, but uh, no pets at the moment. No. Because somebody sent me something called a fur zapper, and oh. it's a glove. And, and what's nice is it removes excess fur from your pets. Oh, nice. But it also... I have a neighbor who has a cat, and my wife has a Volkswagen convertible, and the cat likes to sit on the roof of the car. Oh, and, <laughs> okay. Uh, and, you know, I come out, and there's cat hair on the roof. So this thing, uh, it's it's called Fur Zapper, F-U-R-Z-A-P-P-E-R, and you can go to their website and check it out. But you just wipe it across, and it has these little teeth on it and takes all the fur off, and it's kind of handy. Oh, so that's great. Ni- nice to have. So, yeah. Uh, so Fur Zapper, if you, have a, if you have a cat or a dog and you want to... You want to give them a little pat, or you want to just get all the fur off your furniture. You can do it with that. Hey, we need to go. Hey, next week coming up, we have somebody really interesting. We have a girl by the name of Riley. She rebuilds carburetors, and she's like 17 years old. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah, Yeah, so kind of neat. So we'll be talking to her. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. And I want to thank Tim for coming in on Sunday. Thank you, Tim. Oh, you're very welcome.